We are double dipping on herd mentality this week, this time focusing on the defense as you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. And as a reminder to you, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Bills is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Well, folks, as I said yesterday, today we're going to do another episode of Herd Mentality, this time focusing on all of your questions regarding the defense. And so there's plenty of discussion coming your way about sacks and the young cornerbacks and the Ed Oliver injury, and all of those defensive details today on the podcast. Let's get started. First one comes from Mark, also one very similar sent in by Ed, and Ed's question is more about realistic expectations, but this is what Mark said. What is the Bills' single-season sack record, and will the 2022 Buffalo Bills break it? All right, so the Bills record for sacks in a season was in 2013 when they recorded 57. And if you recall that year, Mario Williams had 13 sacks, Kyle Williams, 10 and a half, Jerry Hughes had 10 and Marcel Darius had seven and a half and coming off of a game where the bills sacked Matthew Stafford seven times. I understand why we're asking this question, especially considering Matthew Stafford was only sacked 30 times all of last year, the Bills got him down seven times last week. So the Bills are off to a great start. In order for them to top 57 sacks, they will need to average 3.2 sacks per game over the next 16 games to break it, which I think is very possible, especially when you consider how good the Bills have been recently during the regular season sacking quarterbacks. Over the last five regular season games, the Bills' defense has recorded 26 sacks. And over the last three, they have 21. So they are sacking the quarterback a ton lately in the regular season. I mean, they've averaged over five sacks per game over the last five regular season games. And so can the Bills average a tick over three the rest of the way and break this record? Very, very possible. Scarecrow says, I know the Bills split Christian Benford's and Kyer Elam's snaps fairly evenly. I assume the split was situational. Do you know, do you know the situations they were using Benford versus using Elam? So I don't think it was situational. I think what happened is that they started with Benford and every two series on defense, they switched. And so the playing time was 
fairly even. Elam had 30 snaps on defense. Benford had 39. And then on special teams, Kyer Elam played three special team snaps and Christian Benford played four. So I think the Bills, the plan was every two snaps they were going to rotate, but Christian Benford was the first one on the field. So I don't think it was situational for this game. Maybe it will be moving forward. It was simply every two series they rotated who was playing opposite of Dane Jackson. The next one comes from Eric, uh, very similar to one sent in by Mark. Eric says, I would love a detailed breakdown of the state of the cornerback position. What are your thoughts about the Benford-Elam breakdown and snaps and assessment of their play? What are your thoughts in the short and long term? I assume both rookies go to the bench when Trey White returns. What about next season? Is there a chance Dane Jackson can hold on to the job next season? If all of our corners are good, could you ever see a day in which the Bills consider trading Tredavious White to help our salary cap situation? I realize that might sound ridiculous. All right, so a lot to unpack here, and I, I think this is a, a good topic for us to really spend some time in. First of all, regarding Benford and Elam, I thought they both held their own against the Rams, just like I thought they both held their own throughout the course of the preseason. I don't think they looked like rookies out there, right? You, you think about a rookie corner and quarterbacks and receivers exploiting that and going after them, and that didn't really happen. And it's not like the Rams didn't have a veteran corner quarterback in Matthew Stafford and veteran receivers in Cooper Cup and in and, and Allen Robinson and a really good offensive mind in Sean McVay. Like they have the the stuff needed to really attack and exploit those guys, and they didn't do it. I thought they both held their own. Christian Benford with a pass breakup, he did miss a tackle. I thought they were both sounding coverage for the most part. I'm not sure. There is anything right now that I can point to that definitively separates either of them based on the sample size I've seen, which is two training camp practices, four preseason games, and one regular season game. They're both solid. And the Bills suddenly have a ton of depth at cornerback. I think you are correct in that Dane Jackson is the CB2 once Tredavious White is healthy. But what I love about this dynamic is that it takes any urgency away from rushing Tredavious White back. And not that I ever thought there was a world where the Bills would rush Tredavious White back, but now you feel really good about what you have. And obviously, I mean, it's still a pretty small sample size, right? We're talking about these guys' first NFL regular season game. They played in a preseason and had strong training camps. It's still a small sample size. So I don't want to get too carried away. But for now, I think you just enjoy the depth. Things change fast in the NFL. Guys get hurt all the time. And a spot where you thought you had depth can be thin very, very quickly. So enjoy the depth for now. But what I don't want to do here is lose sight of how great, not just how good, but how great of a player Tredavious White is. I understand why we can loosely speculate on trading him, but this is a roster cornerstone that has been part of this build since 2017, he's a core member of this football team, and he's one of the elite cornerbacks in the NFL. He is elite at taking away the football. He's clutch. And so I can't wait to get him back on the field despite what we've seen from Dane Jackson and Christian Benford and, and Kyer Elam. And because of this depth, it does – 
inspire me to lean in even more on what I've been saying since the Bills drafted Christian Benford and that the long-term play here could be safety. Because, I mean, let's face it, if you do have four NFL starting caliber corners in Trey White, Dane Jackson, Kyer Elam, and Christian Benford, for as much as you love that depth, you want to get these guys on the field, and you're only going to play two outside corners at a time. Christian Benford seems like the logical transition to safety player. And maybe Dane Jackson is too. Maybe there's a world that we can live in in the future where your two outside corners are Trey White and Kyer Elam and your two safeties are Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. Now, I'm not ready to move on from Hyde and Poyer. I'll tell you that. I want as much of those guys as I can get for as long as possible. But the Bills have options. Let's enjoy it. And let's trust this coaching staff who's done a phenomenal job developing these players and really across the defense, allowing them to, to kind of sort this out. But it's a really, really good problem to have. I hope you enjoyed the opening week of the NFL and got in on the action over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is my favorite daily fantasy resource. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and they have so many sports available. It's not just NFL or college football. I mean, you name it, they have it. NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, of course, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. It's all there for you. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So download the, download the Prize Picks app or go to Prize Picks to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So if you deposit $100, bucks, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. Just don't forget to enter our promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. It's Athletic Greens. And I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. And I'm glad I did. I take it to jumpstart my day and it gives me more energy and balances my diet in a simple way. Now I've been on it for several weeks and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It actually kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It literally supports all the things. Athletic Greens is critical for my daily routine. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, next one comes from Michael, who says, It was surprising to many that Christian Benford seemed to get more snaps than Kyer Elam. We also seemed to play a lot of zone in the game. Could this be a scheme-determined rotation and that we may see more Elam in man-focused game plans? Some good stuff here from Michael. 
first of all, I would be cautious to frame it as more snaps. Okay. Yes. Benford played nine more snaps than Elam, but it was literally two series at a time and series could be more plays or less plays. So I don't think there was a whole lot to read into when it comes to, he played more snaps. It was two series at a time. And then I've also would like to urge everyone once again, and I know that you didn't do this, Michael, but I am going to take this opportunity. This isn't about Kyer Elam. It's about Christian Benford and him earning the opportunities. Kyer Elam has not been disappointing at all. You just happen to get a guy, a diamond in the rough here in, in Christian Benford, late round pick out of Villanova, that's earned opportunities just like Kyer Elam has as your first round pick. But I do like your idea. There could be some games where the Bills play more man coverage and Elam is the better option. Whereas there could be some games where it's more zone heavy and you like the rotation a bit more and perhaps that leans a little bit more into Christian Benford. But what the overarching theme here is, whether it's rotation, whether it's scheme determined, play the matchups and enjoy the depth because the Bills are in a good spot at the cornerback position. And I don't think we've been able to say that in a very long time when it comes to the depth. And we, we hadn't seen Tredavious White play since before Thanksgiving, or I guess on Thanksgiving last year. Jock Doc says, as many in Bill's Mafia can attest, I was surprised Christian Benford started ahead of Kyer Elam. It has been reported that the referees last night had one of the highest collective calls for pass interference in the past, knowing how grabby Elam can be and how, how Coach McDermott factors in every nuance, I wonder if this, along with Benford's excellent preseason, factored into his decision. To their credit, the refs let the players play, which added up to a most enjoyable watch. Glad you got to see the game in person. So, maybe so. Maybe so this played into it. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, Sean McDermott is very nuanced in, in how he approaches everything. He's a detail-oriented guy. And I don't think him taking into consideration the tendencies of the officiating crew would be something he overlooked and didn't allow to factor into his decision. But maybe Benford was just a touch better in preseason, and that's why he got on the field first. And he earned the opportunity to be the first player on the field. You know, I, I'm not dismissing that. And again, that doesn't say anything about Kyer Elam. It's all about Christian Benford proving himself. And side note, I would say that I am with you on the officials mostly doing a nice job of letting guys play in the game. And there was a, actually the only third down the Bills didn't convert. It was an incomplete pass, Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis. And I thought that corner was a little early and kind of tugged at his shoulder. They could have easily called pass interference, and they didn't. And I remember in that moment, I thought to myself, well, okay, if it, just make sure you call the whole game like that. And then they did. And so I thought the officials did a good job. And I did have that concern that you did, that this was going to be an over-officious crew and, and really impact the game. And um, I don't think they did. I thought they did a nice job. Skip says, if he can't go, who do you like replacing Ed Oliver in the three-tech? All right. So first of all, I don't really think this is going to be anything long-term with Ed Oliver. But let's assume he misses a game or something like that. I think the Bills are in good shape where there's not a whole lot they need to do outside of just arranging or rearranging some of the players they already have in the roster. I mean, Jordan Phillips just becomes your starting three technique 
next to Daquan Jones at the one. And so I think we'd all be pretty satisfied with that, knowing that you also have Tim Settle that can play the three. You're going to probably want Tim to be the primary backup to Daquan Jones, but he's interchangeable. And you love that you have a guy like Braden Bryant on the practice squad that you can call up, activate, and trust to play a reasonable reasonable amount of snaps for your football team and play well. And so the Bills are deep when it comes to the defensive line. And not that I you know, don't want all the Ed Oliver I can get. I'm very excited about him, and I wish he would have played in that second half and gotten in on that sack party that the Bills were having. But I think the Bills do have the depth to kind of get through a game here with Jordan Phillips starting, Tim Settle being interchangeable, and knowing that you can call up Braden Bryant off the practice squad. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. You can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including everything you need to get ready for week two of the NFL season. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. All right, we got more to get to here today. The next one comes from Bob, who says, I'm sure Jordan Phillips isn't going to register one and a half sacks every game, but if he has nine or ten sacks again this year for the Bills, what are the odds the Bills will be able to retain him for next year? That's a super interesting question. Now, clearly, Jordan Phillips is the best version of himself in Buffalo. And you've asked this question, but we've kind of seen this movie before, right? He had nine and a half sacks, and then he turned that into a $10 million per year contract with the Arizona Cardinals. He got cut after two seasons, and now he's back. And he's back on a one-year $5 million deal. Jordan Phillips is going to have to weigh his options because if he does go on to have another you know, nine, 10 sacks, I think there's a good chance another team's going to offer him the bag in free agency. Will he take less to stay? I think he'll need to. Just like Isaiah McKenzie, he said this week, I, th- I believe on Ty Dunn's podcast, that there were bigger offers for him out there in free agency but he wanted to come back to Buffalo and he took a very modest two-year, $4 million contract. And so I, I hate to live in a world where you have to take a hometown discount, but if you want to be part of this team, the Bills can't pay Jordan Phillips a backup three-tech $10 million a season, right? That's just not, that's just not in the budget. But whether it's been with the Miami Dolphins or the Arizona Cardinals, Jordan Phillips is the best version of himself in Buffalo. So how does he treat that? I have no idea. But if he's going to stay in Buffalo, I think he's going to have to be mindful that there's not that there's not that not that much the Bills can offer, especially when you have the uh, the expiring contracts that already exist with the Bills. Steven says one play from yesterday's game yesterday's game that I noticed was a relatively large run play that reminded me of how those gashers hurt us last year. Is this something Tremaine Edmonds should be stopping? I've seen him pre-commit or over-commit to a side before, even last night when Stafford just ran the other way for a quick first down. 
Who is the best at run stopping and why? So let's talk a little bit more. To answer this question, I want to I want to focus in on that play and I want to focus in on that game against the Rams. Run defense starts up front. And the reason that Daryl Henderson got an 18-yard gain, which is the only significant run that the Bills gave up, 18 yards to Daryl Henderson, it starts up front where Greg Rousseau and Daquan Jones got reached. They got reach-blocked play side to create very easy leverage for Daryl Henderson on that run. Now, once he got to the second level, Henderson, Milano did well to leverage his block and kind of turn Henderson back inside where he he anticipated there being some some flow, right, some pursuit. And Tim Settle was close, but he missed the tackle in pursuit. Tremaine Edmonds got blocked by the center. And, you know, the, they had to make a safety on the, on the third, or excuse me, a, a tackle on the third level of the defense. I think you just say to the Rams, credit for them for getting a hat on a hat and gaining 18 yards. I mean, including that 18-yard run, they had 18 rushes for 52 yards. That's it. That's under three yards of carry. Without the 18-yard run, they had 17 rushes for 34 yards, which is exactly two yards per carry. And so I've got 17 plays of really outstanding run defense and one where a couple guys got reached and they got hat on a hat on the second level. You missed a tackle in pursuit. That would have made it like a four-yard gain. So, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, when you talk about Tremaine Edmonds pre-committing or over-committing to a side, this is a, this is a single-gap defense, right? Like, he's responsible for a gap. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't get the, I don't get the criticism there. Or maybe, maybe it's unfair for me to say that you gave him criticism, but like that was part of the, the framing of your question. And so the Bills last year did get gashed, and I've talked a lot about them. Damian Harris, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry. Like There were certainly moments where they gave up some big runs, where the defense was creased and they gave up a big run. But when I look at the makeup of this defensive line, when I look at that play specifically, when I look at the entire game, I'm not ready to make this defense pay for the sins of last year's defense. That's not fair. I think it was a one-off in an 18-play sequence, right? Or an 18-play sample size of run defense. 17 of them were outstanding. Next one comes from David. David says, something I keep thinking about, especially after the Bills' dominating win over the Rams on Thursday night football to open the season, what I can't stop thinking about is what it would be like to be a Dolphins, Jets, or Patriots fan watching the Buffalo Bills starting the season hot and Josh Allen coming out in Josh Allen form. As the league is hyped about the Bills, and we Bills fans have a lot to be happy about, could you imagine being a division rival and watching this take place and thinking about how they have to deal with this Allen Bills team this year and for many more years to come. Not to mention they have had to deal with this Allen Bills team for the past two years. And the Bills are 12-1 and in the division since 2021. Well, I guess that would be since 2020, right? 12-1. and Yeah, that's, um, we can relate, right? We, we knew what it was like to be part of that group of teams looking up at what you thought was a dominant Patriots team, Tom Brady and what they had going there. We, we know what that feels like. And I think you can, I mean, I can point to two different podcasts that I listened to last week. One of them being draft dudes on Friday, which is a pod, my podcast, but I wasn't 
I was traveling Friday, so wasn't on the show. And so our producer, Chris Schubert, who's a Jets fan, did the show with Kyle Krabs, who's a Dolphins fan. And that was part of what they talked about. Chris Schubert, as a Jets fan, said, my overarching take is that the Jets aren't close to this, right? And they have to deal with this. You listen to Rich Eisen on his one of his shows last week. He he said, you know, he's a Jets fan, and he he talked about, he goes, I can't help but put myself in this position where we just got rid of Tom Brady, and now this Josh Allen guy is going to come here and run the division for the foreseeable future. They are thinking that way. Playing against Josh Allen's got to be a nightmare. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being an opposing team and knowing that you have to deal with this type of physical specimen who's going to carve up your defense, but he's also going to make your defensive players look silly? I remember I was sitting in that game, obviously, last week next to Kyle Krabs, Dolphins fan. And when Josh Allen took off with the ball, when you know he wound up stiff-arming Nick Scott like and just embarrassing him, as he was taking off, I said to Kyle, I said, that defender is about to eat this because we knew what was about to happen. That's a lot to deal with. That's embarrassing for your team. So I, I, I mean, yeah, imagine being a Jets, Patriots, or Dolphins fan and hoping that Tua, Mac Jones, or Zach Wilson can somehow get your team to a level where you can compete with Buffalo. Now, the NFL is a humbling league. Let's, let's not forget that. And Von Miller said as much during his postgame press conference. Enjoy the win, but realize that humility is always one week away in the NFL. Bills play the Titans this week. They just got beat by the Giants at home. You think they're not going to come out ready to play? Don't want to start the year 0-2? The NFL is a league where anybody can beat anybody. And while the Bills will be favored, and I expect them to win a lot of football games, Humility is only one week away in the NFL. So let's enjoy this. Let's be excited about the future. Let's also stay level-headed and realize that humility in the NFL is only one week away. And so I'm not trying to be a wet blanket or squash anyone's parade, but this is a long season. You got to stay healthy. You got to do what you're supposed to do. And you have to do it for week after week after week. We know this. Remember the Bills last year? Remember the Bills last year? The run that they went on, they were 7-6 and six after that Bucks game. 7-6. and six. Ripped off four straight wins. You know, trounced the Patriots in the playoffs. Remember how you felt after that Patriots game? Seven consecutive touchdown drives in a row? Remember that moment? Were you thinking about week one and how they, the Bills laid an egg against the Steelers? It felt like it was 100 years away, right? there's going to come a point in time this season, 18, 19, 20 weeks from now, where we're not going to be talking about this Rams win, right? It's going to feel like it was 10 years ago. So let's keep good perspective here. One week at a time, not to get all coach speaker or anything like that, but one week at a time. And, and I think the pills are very level-headed. You hear Josh Allen say things like, our goal is to go 1-0 every week. We want to do everything that we can to go 1-0 that week. The Bills have the right mindset. So while we speak expectations and we are planning a Super Bowl parade, we also have to kind of buy into that one week at a time. Go 1-0 this week. Focus on this week. So I know this is a podcast and we get to talk about whatever we want. We can venture to any other outlets that we wish to with our minds and talk about it all, and we will. There's always going to be a part of me that allows us to get a little bit excited and, and 
intrigued and hyped up about where this can go, but also kind of laser us back in and realize that the Bills are 1-0. There's a long season ahead. And next up is the Tennessee Titans. And next up for, for, the, for this podcast is going to be our primer on the Tennessee Titans. So come on back tomorrow for an in-depth conversation on what that team is and all the challenges that they present and what the Buffalo Bills need to do to start this season 2-0. and Thursday is our crossover discussion with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. So a lot of great stuff coming your way here on the podcast. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.